Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one very iconic poem at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we'll be talking about Minute 41. 41. Uh... It's all, okay. It, it only works with 21. Uh... <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. 41 does not. I, I don't know. I... Because of the, 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 the consonant sound of t versus f. Mm-hmm. F I just, is I just, a, F is a softer consonant. I just find myself doing it anytime I end anything with a one. One na. <laughs> one na. It's a one na and a two and a oh three. Oh my god. Okay, so today we're talking about minute 41, which starts with Elrond looking at Arwen all sad. Um, and it ends with Arwen looking at Elrond all sad as he um, picks up a book she has dropped. Presumably she's reading the poem out of the book. Right. It's kind of the impression I get. So, we get some repeat footage. Yep, we get some repeat footage. Trying to kind of retell the story so far, as far as the the elven side of things, real quick. And, like, a 40-second montage. Yeah. Which is cool. I think it, it's it's pretty effective, I think. I've given you a... Giving you a rundown of things so far in the story. Yeah, because it reminds you, because we haven't seen this sword since fellowship of the ring right so it it reminds you that like oh yeah this is a thing that elrond's had in his house presumably for three thousand years it's happened um we get the flashback with isildur taking sauron's hand um mm. in marriage no just kidding um <laughs> in marriage you just reminded me of, of the futurama episode with the robot devil and leela the robot devil and Leela? Yeah, it's it's the uh I think it's the original last episode of the series before Comedy Central picked it back up. Oh. It's uh like Fry makes a deal with the robot devil for uh hands that can play the holophone or better so he can put on a concert like for oh, Leela. Yes. And then <laughs> the robot devil. <laughs> yeah, the robot devil. And then like so he trades hands with Fry. Yeah. And then yeah. like it circles back around the whole episode and he makes a deal for like for Leela's hand. But then he's just like in marriage, like when the deal comes to fruition, and then Bender like sings the definition of irony <laughs> in the episode. It's it's really great. It's it was the like the original. I'm pretty sure it was the original last episode, and it is in fact like one of the best episode oh episodes of the show. That's so funny. It's one of the ones that sticks in my memory the most because the robot devil is amazing. Is Futurama on Disney Plus? Because it's the same guy, right? No, it's it's no because they just I think they they just bought the streaming rights for The Simpsons. I'm uh... pretty sure. Whatever. But it is fine. That's, that, that's good. It's fine. Disney cannot. Yeah. Have, but Futurama <laughs> Disney was doesn't a, need everything. Futurama was originally produced by Fox, but now it's owned by Comedy Central. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't know how that worked. Um, yeah. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> you just reminded me of it. Just, just the, the hand in marriage thing. Just the phrase always makes me think of that episode of Futurama. That's funny. Now, that <laughs> is irony it's so good <laughs> yeah a lot is more said it's like the use of a word or phrase for something other than its literal intention <laughs> now that is irony it's perfect that's funny so 
I have said this before, I think, on Mike. I love how dramatic everyone in this movie is. I want to collapse beautifully onto a, a chaise lounge and drop a book as daintily as as Liv Tyler does. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the commentary, Richard Taylor talks about when you're doing, like, small little scenes, like the dropping of the book. Yeah. It's and you've like been slow motion. And you've, and you've been, like, doing them all day. You kind of don't want to do dailies at the end of the day. Yeah. Because it's just, like, watching 45 minutes of footage of a book falling on the ground. Yeah. And you're just like, and then everyone falls asleep. Right? It's like, that one. That's the one. That's that's the best take of this book hitting the ground. It is beautiful. Yeah. I, it's... It's, it's totally uncontrolled, right? Like, there's no way to drop it a particular way. You just have to do it over and over again. I love the attention to detail that this book has. I like the um, really soft, like, leather um, cover it has. Yeah, and you can see... Like suede, I guess, is that? That's what it's called? Yeah, like soft leather. Suede, yeah. yeah. And you can, you can see the elven writing on the pages. Yeah. And, like, the pages themselves are so textured. Yeah. I love... I love books, and I love, like, book props. So, mm. like, this is my jam. Right? It, it's no Saruman's, Saruman's books. Right. But, like, also I feel bad because it's like, oh, no, the pages are getting bent. No. No. Yeah. No. Stop it. They must have had a few of these to do different takes with because I imagine eventually the books kind of, like, the pages kind of take the, the bend. Uh, the paper looks really sturdy, though. Yeah. But, like, thick, textured paper like that, like, if it gets a crease in it or bends, like, it, that's it. it. It has it forever. Did you ever have to do, like, in in middle school or high school where you had like a project where you had to make kind of like props like this like i remember i did a book report oh um, yeah on, on i remember like, having to handwrite a book report inside of a parchment book once yeah 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 i remember having to do that like i did a book report on treasure island so i made the book report look like a pirate map because i was extra um <laughs> Yeah, I so think... So, like, you know the, the cardstock, and then you, like, crumple it up, and you, like, iron it out, and you, like, weather weather it with, like, coffee or, like, mm. water? Oh, no, I, I got my mom to buy me um, a notebook of uh, high, like, uh, high, high, what's it, high, what's it called? Uh, high strength, like, watercolor paper. Mm. That's what I used when I did stuff like that. I did, uh, what book did I do? I remember I, I did the binding, I used hole punches, and then did a string binding on it. Mm. I remember doing stuff like that. I did it for a book report once. And Why like, are we so extra? And doing like and doing like watercolor images inside. Oh, fancy! And then like watercolor splashes, and then writing over them. See, I couldn't draw. Like, I still can't draw. I can draw like stick figures and like little chibi stuff sometimes. I guess. Um, I don't know. I really like paper. Mm, That's a could... weird thing to say, but I like. Oh, me too. I like stationery. I. Like oh I know I'm looking I, at your box of of notebooks uh, just, right now. <laughs> just, notebooks are like two pages written in them and totally empty notebooks. Okay. I just buy notebooks. No, I know, and I get on I get on you about it because I'm like that too. But mine aren't in the apartment; mine are in storage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I didn't like live somewhere else first. <laughs> that I just carry all of my stuff around with me from apartment to apartment. <laughs> I harp minimalism, but uh. I got a lot of stuff still in my mom's house. Well, I mean, I look around the apartment. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I look around in the apartment. I'm just like, I bought that and I bought that. This is mine. Look at all my crap. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like my, my, my RPG books no longer fit on the shelf they were originally living oh, on. I am aware. And the manga doesn't fit with them. Yeah. Just the, and the board games like barely fit aware. where they go. It just, 
but I can't buy a house. Like It brings us joy. <laughs> before anyone says anything. I, I, it I brings willing, me joy. I am willing to part with a lot of things, including some of my comics. Like we've we've done, we clean up the comics once. Yeah, but uh, I got rid of all of my single issues of Blackest Night. The, the board games, those bring me joy. The board games bring me joy too, even though we haven't played some of them. Still bring me joy. Just look at them. I'm like, wow, look at all this money just sitting on the shelf. <laughs> look at all this entertainment. <laughs> all this entertainment value. Look at this hundred dollar board game. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> This this decadent thing. <laughs> this uh, so most of this Arwen Elrond oh, yeah. stuff. Okay, so paper is really cool. Yeah. Um, I love the smell of new paper. I think this scene is a little, uh, or this minute is a little confusing. Mm. Uh, because we get her saying, you know, it's time, and then she says the poem, but over the voiceover, we have this this um scene of her with her velvet cloak, like floating down the hallway and like looking intently at the shards of narsil and like and i get the feeling that that is a a scene from the past yeah but she was wearing that same like dramatic cloak thing last week i think that's just her cloak okay well she's an elven princess she should have at least two cloaks if i were a princess i would have i don't know what is it it, i don't know what is it the uh who is it the the member of the the royal family just, is it Meghan Markle? Oh, um, the the Kate. Oh, yeah, Kate. Yeah, this is Kate. Yeah, who's worn the same coat four times? Oh no! Scandalous outerwear. What? Wow! <laughs> I didn't know I could wear coats more yeah, than yeah, once. Yeah. This yeah, will save was, me a lot was, of money. That was Kate. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I don't care that much about the British royal family. <laughs> I love the um, the media outrage concerning the British royal family. Whatever. Qu- Queen the- Elizabeth is like four hundred. Just let her be. <laughs> Just leave her alone. <laughs> She's going to outlive her grandkids at this rate. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, what were we talking about? We were talking about um, an episode of Doctor Who. Was it the werewolf recently. one? No, not the werewolf one. Is um, that Queen Victoria in that? It is Queen Victoria. Yeah. The uh, the coronation one with the stupid television lady. Oh. Um, And Ugh. we were joking about, like, Dude, this was in 53. Like, she is still queen. It's like 2019 and she is still queen. <laughs> she sure, queen for, what, is it 66 years? I think so. 67? 66. 53 to 19? Yes, 66. Yes, yeah. 66 years. She's been queen longer than my mom's been alive. What? Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, me too, I guess. But, like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. 53? Let's see. 53, my... They definitely have werewolf blood. Thanks, Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, right? My my grandfather was 35 when Queen Elizabeth was crowned. Wow. Yep. And that's my dad's dad. And my mom's dad was, like, 11. Wow. Yeah, my grandparents were... 12? 12. He was 12. I think my grandfather was... 23 because my yeah Yeah. because 1930 to 1952 yeah because my my dad's dad was 44 when my dad was born and my mom and my mom's dad was 18 when my mom was was born so wow and like that that's that's a trend on each side of the family like that that's just like how things have kind of gone the last so many generations it's like my dad's side of the family the generational gaps are like 40 years can you imagine but on my mom's side they're all 20 
can you imagine like i was gonna say having a baby at 18 but like us having a baby <laughs> we can't even stay on topic for our podcast i know how can, so, how can so we like, care for a tiny human <laughs> if i if if we had kids at the same age that my my grandfather was that's 13 years from now okay i can live with that that would be me having a kid 13 years from now if we're still alive thanks for yeah. change. <laughs> Like, I mean, I went to done with the podcast by then. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope so. I hope so. Not that I don't enjoy doing this. But yeah, this, uh, a lot Um, of this Arwen Elrond stuff was directed by Fran. mm. Hugo Weaving and uh, Liv Tyler, both on the commentary, really compliment Fran's directing style. I can, I can kind of tell. Yeah. Um, it's gotten to the point where I can kind of tell because it is so soft like Mm. um there's a lot of really close um like push-ins on their faces yeah and there's a lot of like really intense but also really um not understated but like i don't know there's like a feminine energy to Mm. a lot of a lot of the elf stuff yeah and um, and i mean uh hugo uh, weaving is just really good at that yeah for sure the scene with with aragorn and eowyn was also fran correct with where she takes his hand and tells him about the dream. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So that has the same sort of um, vibe to it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, she's really good at at, at um like moments of like vulnerability and intimacy between mm. two characters. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler also real quick in the commentary. I'll not actually real quick. She talks for a little over a minute that uh, one of Peter's real strengths as a director is understanding the support network he has around him and people's strengths and letting them do the things they're better at than him. Yeah. Instead of taking 100% control of everything. That's, that's, um, well, that's a sign of, of, of a good leader. leader. Yeah. yeah. Good leadership. And it's just like, way to go. So like you go weaving and, and Liv Tyler are both like complimenting the, the directors of both their scenes and like the movie as a whole. Yeah. In the, in the commentary. And that's, that's nice to hear. And it doesn't sound like, uh, like a canned thing that they're just saying. Yeah. It sounds really genuine. All of, like everything that Hugo Weaving says sounds genuine. <laughs> uh no matter what he's doing. So he's real good. So this the the poem. The poem. Like the poem. You have a favorite line from the poem, which is like kind of different from a lot of people's. Well, no. It's not my favorite line. Um, because the poem in question is the one from which like not all who want not all those who wander are lost yeah. comes from which is like arguably the most famous tolkien quote i like to the point where i don't think people even realize it's tolkien yeah because not all the glitters is gold not all those who wander are lost right um what is the the next the next pair of lines i used to know I, you know i had um, this written in sharpie on my backpack at on in high school i did too i had the whole poem written really out. not not on my backpack i had it written on the front of my uh my english notebook oh bless yeah i used to i was that kid who would write in sharpie all over my backpack um, oh i i wrote all over the covers and back covers of notebooks on inside and outside oh my god and like and doodled and all kinds of stuff so i just and sometimes just in pages of notebooks it's not all that glitters is gold. Not all those who wonder are lost. All uh, that is gold does not glitter. Excuse me. Oh, yeah. All that is gold does not glitter. Oh, yeah. That's why I can never remember because I always think not all the glitters is gold because it's the other way. Yeah. That's why I always have such a hard time remembering the third line of this poem. 
All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep fr- deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. And she, um, Arwen, in this minute does only the second stanza. Yes. Which is the more topical one because she's talking about the reforging of the sword. Right, because the poem as a whole is kind of a, 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 a prophecy about Aragorn. Yes. And this um, this poem is really um, personal to me because not only is it like badass and it's like really iconic um, and it's talking about it's talking about Aragorn. Yeah. Like, like this, this comes up in the Fellowship of the Ring and then Gandalf says it like. He says the first he says like the first two lines. It appears first in chapter 10 Strider and Gandalf's letter to Frodo in Bree. Although when Frodo reads it, he does not realize that Aragorn is the subject of the verse. So, like, Gandalf's being cryptic because it's Gandalf. Yeah. I don't know. And, I mean, this this idea is related to what Frodo says in the Fellowship. I feel like a servant of the enemy would look fairer and smell fouler. Yeah. It's like a, this is a, some of the lines of this are kind of a related idea. Right. Like, just because he might not look it doesn't mean he isn't, like going to be right like, like the the whole first part is about like not judging things by their appearances right right appearances being deceiving and stuff so you know the um the semicolon tattoo thing yeah um there's like a i don't know that it's a movement or anything but like i think it's fair to call it that generally when people have a semicolon tattoo it means that they um it's like it's it signifies like them not um, giving into their mental illness by way of like suicide. Right. It's it's not a period. It's right. A semicolon. It's not an ending. It's just because it doesn't end the sentence. It's just it continues the sentence. Mm-hmm. It continues the thought. So I really want one of those, and I was looking at different because I just don't want the punctuation. I want words on it because I like words. So I. My first thought when thinking about it, because I've been thinking about it for a long time, actually, um, and I really want to get one. I should just do it. Maybe we can do it over Christmas time. Maybe. That'd be fun. Go get tattoos together around Christmas. Just Lord of the Rings tattoos. I'll post it in the group. Yeah. But no, then people are just going to be like, where's your tattoo? (laughs) You cowards. Um, I post a picture of the tattoo, whatever. No, I mean, like, if we don't do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It'd be a cool idea. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. (laughs) Non-committal. But so my first thought was this poem because it was really important to me. Like Lord of the Rings in high school was really important to me and like very formative um, when I was a youth. And um, my my dad is the one who got me into Lord of the Rings. And my dad passed away a few years ago before we started the podcast. And I was like, okay, so I want a quote that ends with a semicolon. So... I went to this poem, and the not all those who wander are lost ends in a semicolon. And I'm just like, that is the most cliche thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, not to, not to, I don't know. I think it's overused. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a good sentiment. It's a good line. I like the flow of it. But I think it's, um, it's like overexposed, almost. Mm-hmm. But one of the lines that Arwen says in this minute ends in a semicolon and i think it is very like it's much more symbolic of what i want it to be Mm -hmm. 
And it's a light from the shadows shall spring, which I think is just like perfectly encapsulates. I, think, I mean, I think it's a more lyrical line. Yeah. It's harder to say because of all the S's, but I also like alliteration. Mm, me too. But I think that's like really symbolic of both the crux of this story and like the um, like the semicolon thing itself, you know? Yeah. Like, even though you are like wandering around in darkness, like there's you there's hope well it's the light at the end of the tunnel right it's yeah. it's the hope it's yeah. uh so i really want that maybe now that i'm like talking about it in front of like my microphone i'll actually do it yeah sorry to go off on like a weird it's, it's good. <laughs> personal it's thing it's like it's relevant yeah it's like relevant to stuff going on in the minute i love the way Liv tyler delivers the lines yes. of this poem yes there is Liv tyler does so much uh emotional like dramatic acting in her scenes that has like a lot of intense emotion, like just under the surface. Yeah. And I think that there is a great amount of like, it's still a little understated, but like real, like real weight to the way that she delivers these lines. Yeah. I think the, this is some of her best like vocal performance. I think for me is, is these four lines of this poem. Is this the only time she has a voiceover? No, technically not, because she has a voiceover with some of the Frodo stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. She's, like, present, but it's done as a voiceover to give it that, like, ethereal quality. Right. Which is really effective. Yeah. I mean... And they do the same thing with Elrond when we first see him. And the same thing happens in the scene, too, because we see her face while she's speaking. And, like, seeing someone's face while there's voiceover from them, depending on the, the framing of the scene, either makes you think you're inside their head, which this doesn't do, or... Like, clues you into this taking place maybe previously. Yeah. Like, that's how, that's what the voiceover makes me feel about the scene. Is that this was her at some other time, like, still ruminating on this thought of, like, trying to convince her her dad to have the sword reforged. Yeah. Because she already believes that Aragorn is ready. We established that in Two Towers or in, in Fellowship. In that extent, that scene with them. On the bridge? On the, on no, before that, like, when she, when they were hanging out. In, like, her room. He got, like, when they had that conversation, not on the bridge. In, like, the little veranda area oh, in, yeah, in, yeah. in Rivendell. Which I assume is her room. Like, that scene, like, kind of establishes that she already believes that he's ready. Yeah. And so does doesn't. And so does the her be entering the scene after his conversation with Boromir. Like, she's behind him all the way. She's just the supportive, the supportive partner. Just like, you're ready for this. I know you can do this. And then he dumps her. And then he dumps her. How dare you? Because of his own insecurities. Yeah. I need to work on myself. I guess that's relatable. <laughs> I need to work on myself. I'm not good enough. Like, I gotta I gotta do this first. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like, I understand, dude. But, like, Colt. Colt. He was just gonna leave. Right? What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> At least say goodbye. Yeah, like, it's... You don't even want to have a conversation about it. We, we talked about that a lot. Oh, yeah. No, I'm still salty. <laughs> but, yeah, so... I, there, there's, I think there is a lot going on just under the surface in this scene. Hmm. Hugo Weaving's performance is great without having to say a word. Yeah, it's very nuanced. Yeah. he. I mean, it's... Because he knows that she's right, but he's scared. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I Hugo Weaving, as much as like we talk about how great he is, I think in the grand scheme of things, Hugo Weaving is really undervalued as an actor. Hmm. Especially by, like, American studios. Yeah, because I, I think that people want to use him only in roles like Elrond or Agent Smith, and not like really 
give him something um, larger and meatier to do instead of like a small meaty role like Elrond or... Well, we've talked about um, V for Vendetta. Yeah. I think that's like one of the real, like the only like real exception I can think of from like a big budget studio where Hugo Weaving is like the star of the movie. Mm. Like an American studio anyway, because I know he's done all kinds of other stuff. Right. And I mean, we talked about um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and he's really good in that. Because he just has this like gravitas. Yeah. And as we we talked about with Zach. Which is good for, um, you know, characters like Elrond and Agent Smith. Yeah. Like Hugo Weaving has a great way of being threatening without giving off a physical presence of threat yes which is like which is hot b really hard (laughs) it's so good like he he his voice and it and we talked about this with zach when we talked about elrond in fellowship Mm -hmm. some of it is the fact that yuga weaving stresses consonants in his speech patterns right hey we're back to consonant sounds yeah (laughs) so there's there's that so that i think that's part of it it's all connected it's all connected yeah i i I really do feel like nowadays you go weaving is undervalued Mm. i think it it's amazing to me that he wasn't put in more movies as like a star after v for vendetta and they didn't even use his face so like yeah it is i guess it is just all down to his like the way he speaks and like Mm. his vocal intonation has he ever done stage stage work he has to have he comes I, off as a stage actor. I I don't have the wiki open in front of me, but that seems correct to me. Because I would I would love to see him do I think he's someone that I would love to see play Macbeth. Ooh. Huh. And I don't know if he's done that already. If he has, I would love to see this. Because he huh. is someone I, I absolutely would love to see play Macbeth. There there are just like uh pretty much any like leading role in a Shakespearean tragedy I would love to see you go even do. Look Just because. Graduated from Sydney's National Instru- Institute of Dramatic Art, so he must have done some plays. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like mostly stuff when he was in college and a little before. I'm just Just based on, this. like, the little skim of his yeah, career. Yeah. It's, and pretty much has just done film since. you know. Yeah. But, uh... But no, Macbeth. Macbeth is like 100% the role I could I would love to see him do. You know he's not even 60? I, b- I believe that. He's 59. Um, did we have anything else we wanted to talk about in this minute? Oh, I, no. I think the composition of the voiceover is a little confusing for me, but I think that's mostly just because we're looking at this out of context. Yeah. And uh, I do like seeing the paintings in the, the room where Narsal lives again. Mm-hmm. I think they're really beautiful illustrations. But yeah. That's, that's uh, Alan Lee, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I would like ha- I would have to double check. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to tell. Like some of their stuff has become so like tied up in Lord of the Rings and just the the imagery of these movies and the books. Yeah. That sometimes it's a little hard to tell who's who's who without looking, without double checking. I mean, artists influence each other. I mean, I can't I I should have bought the book, but I was a little worried about how much money I was spending that day. Oh, uh, the art book, the, the art, Lord the, of the Rings art book. Yeah, I found a Lord of the Rings art book at a used bookstore and on the front cover was a painting that is straight up how Minas Tirith looks in this movie. Yeah. And it's not John Howe or Alan Lee. It was really cool. It's uh, it, I be- it was a woman, I believe. I can't remember her name now. I sh- I, if I would have had a little more money that day, I definitely would have bought that book. <laughs> I bought a copy of the Tolkien Reader instead because I didn't have one. <laughs> See? More crap for the apartment. <laughs> more crap for the apartment. <laughs> anyway. 
Um, this is kind of all over the place. Yeah. But it's Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. Got that little that Monday energy. Yeah. That Monday no guest energy. Yeah. <laughs> still still cranking out a thirty minute episode. So yeah, this was longer than I thought it was gonna be. We're from the website duelinggenre.com. Check us out there. Um, there are a few different ways to support us if you are in the mood. If you haven't checked out our Patreon yet, you go to duelinggenre.com slash support and you can pledge as little as $1 a month and you get Scott Pilgrim vs. The Minute, which is an insane little podcast that I co-host sometimes when I'm available. It's me, Scott Corelli, Nick Jimenez, Gary Roby, our guest from last week, and um, Brian Green, our friend. And uh, we talk about Scott Pilgrim vs. The World one minute at a time and stuff. <laughs> and stuff. Uh, and there's different tiers that you can check out on there. You can also, we have, um, there's a link to it on our website, but we haven't been pimping the fact that we have an Amazon affiliate link. Um, so if you plug in duelinggenre.com slash Amazon and use that when you shoot, you do all your holiday shopping, you do all your regular shopping. We got to make do with right. what we got. Um, You're going to shop on Amazon anyway. We, We're all guilty of yeah, it. We, we get a cut of that before it goes into jeff bezos's pocket so if you want to stick it to the man use our uh, affiliate link and you'll support our little uh podcast network instead of uh a billionaire right uh <laughs> like real world dark lord jeff bezos right? actual lex luther actual lex luther actually i think that's um what's his name um, elon musk yes yes the actual lex the, luther the, the tesla man um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you can check that out on our, um, site. We have all of the links, um, when we post the episodes, it's in the little copy. Um, now Jeff Bezos strikes me as a knockoff Wilson Fisk. <laughs> That's a lot to unpack. Um, I'll be thinking about that all day. So, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with minute 42. Like he wishes he could be as cool the as Vincent D'Onofrio. The, the answer to life, the universe and everything. <laughs> I hope we find some of those things there. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Bye.